0: Love Talk Radio.
1: to the June 7th, 2013 edition of Don't Let It Go Unheard, where we discuss news and politics from the perspective of Ayn Rand's philosophy, objectivism. I'm your host, Amy Peacock, and today you will notice my voice sounds different. Why, I have a cold. I have a cold in June. Isn't that lovely? Anyway, um, I was told when I was in high school, by someone on whom I had a tremendous crush. And if you listen to Tammy Bruce's story, you've heard this story already. If you listen to Tammy Bruce show this week, um, this guy told me that my voice sounds great when I have a cold. You can judge for yourself, but this is the flu- full-blown cold voice that I have for you here today. Nonetheless, I wanted to talk about the stories because it seems to me that this week, these stories about privacy have just been dropped into my lap for me to just talk about and get upset about. Uh, Robert is in the chat room already here, getting ready to go. Um, I guess he was listening to Tammy Bruce yesterday because he thought that my interview with Brad Thompson was really good. For those of you who hadn't heard, I have been guest hosting for the Tammy Bruce show, and I've done uh, actually four Uh, session so far. I did one before she ever went on vacation because she was going to a PJTV appearance. And then I've done three since she went on a D-Day tour. And I've got three more shows coming up this week. And if you've also been listening to me talk about this before, you know that Tammy Bruce's policy is that the live shows are free for everybody to listen to, but she makes the podcasts available only to her paid subscribers. But she has allowed us who are doing the guest hosting. She's allowed us to share our own appearances with our own supporters. So, If you have contributed to my show, which you can do at DontLetItGo.com, that will get you MP3 recordings of all the shows. And I've had some really cool interviews, Jonathan Honig, Sonny from House of Sonny, Ron Rotunda from Chapman University School of Law, and yesterday, Brad Thompson. So uh, C. Bradley Thompson talked about the abolition of public schools, and it was a really fun interview. And I think it was a very important and informative interview. And Tammy Bruce's audience, from what I hear, was very receptive to it. So uh, if you want to hear that, plus the awesome interviews that I have coming up this week, this week I'm going to be talking to Leonard Peikoff, including some discussion of the terminology that we use to refer to our enemy with. The issue of, do you say Islam or do you say something else? Do you say jihadist or do you say something else? I think it's going to be a super interesting discussion. Uh, I'm also going to speak with Yaron Brook, who's the head of the Ayn Rand Institute, about what Ever issues of the day are appropriate at that time there's i mean who knows what news is going to fly at us by then and i will also speak to dr peter laporte about obamacare i may have another interview or two coming in so just uh, go over to don't to keep up to date on the interviews i've got one pretty exciting interview request outstanding that i hope will come through as well so we'll see um So that was a very long preamble, but why don't we go ahead here and get started? Yeah, in the chat room, they said they'll listen to Leonard Peikoff anytime. I really think it's going to be a fun interview, so definitely go over to DontLetItGo.com and become a contributor in order to get the podcast, or you can listen to it live for free. The the show is on from 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. Eastern Time, Monday through Friday. And the interview with Leonard Peikoff is going to be on Monday, and it'll be during the uh, the second hour. So if you just want to tune in live, you can do that for free, no problem. Okay, so let's get in. Uh, those people who have been following all the crazy privacy invasion stories of the last couple days, first of all, you know that The Guardian UK has been the outlet breaking these stories And again, why are we relying on the British media to break all these important stories? It seems that we are because of the threat that the Department of Justice here in the United States places on our own news outlets, which is that they will go ahead and issue a subpoena for your private personal phone records if you are the one publishing these government leaks. Both of these stories involved major leaks of government programs, and I think we're all pretty happy that these leaks occurred. We could talk about the morality of those another time, but let's listen to what our government is doing right now. So yesterday, on the 6th, uh, actually no, it was two days ago, on the 5th, June 5th, Guardian UK breaks the story, it says... NSA collecting phone records of millions of Verizon customers daily. The National Security Agency, NSA, which has been around for decades, says is currently collecting the telephone records of millions of U.S. customers of Verizon, one of America's largest telecom providers, under a top-secret court order issued in April. Uh, the order and the copy of which was obtained by the Guardian, and they go ahead and they publish a link to the order. You can go to the Guardian UK and actually read the court order for yourself. It orders Verizon on an ongoing daily basis to give the NSA information about all telephone calls in its systems, both within the United States and between the U.S. and other countries. So it's not just between U.S. and foreigners. It's also within, entirely within United States. Um, and what kind of data is here? It's what they call metadata. Uh, it's phone numbers, location data, which means, say, it's cell phone data of where you know your cell phone is collected, to, you know, connected to the nearest tower, the call duration, and even the time. Uh, of the calls as well. So it, it's what they call metadata of these telephone calls is is what's collected. Um, the contents of the conversation supposedly are not covered. Uh, now, under the Bush administration, a lot of this was collected, but this is the first time, says the Guardian, that significant and top secret documents have revealed the continuation of the practice on a massive scale under Obama. Um so here we are, we've got Verizon, and that's all we know about, right? And the article goes on to say they don't know whether other phone carriers are involved, but they have reason to believe that other phone carriers probably are involved. They also don't know whether this is just a one-time thing or this is a continuation. I believe that it was Feinstein who was quoted as saying that this is just a reissue of a quarterly court order that just happens repeatedly all the time. So I guess under the Patriot Act, this is allowed that every quarter they just reinstate this order to give all of this telephone call metadata to the NSA. What does the NSA do with this data? Collect it in a huge, large database upon which they can conduct searches. Now, you might say, okay, well, look, it's not the contents of my phone call. It's just everybody's data goes into this huge database. It's going to be searched, and it's going to be searched only according to what security requires, right? You know, I mean, they have to protect us against terrorism. So whenever they think that they have a reason to suspect a certain pattern that is going to point to terrorists, then they go ahead and they punch it in their little database whatever you know you've done excel searches on excel databases so you know it's not that you're actually being singled out in any way Uh, it's just a huge anonymized database and if your particular phone calls happen to fall into a pattern then only then are you going to be singled out and have more scrutiny put on you so i mean who cares you know we have to have security right wrong and and the problem is is that Government should not be able to get any information about you without being able to show some sort of probable cause or particularized suspicion. And this is what they're able to do under the Patriot Act and also um, you know, under these court orders pursuant to the Patriot Act. We will discuss in a little while again my favorite whipping boy in this uh, In this area, which is the third party doctrine under privacy law, which allows all of this to happen and which needs to go away. You know, I was thinking about my interview with um, Brad Thompson yesterday, and he uses the word abolition with respect to the public schools. And the public schools have been, excuse me, government schools. Get my language correct, Amy. Uh, Government schools. He wants to abolish them. He is an abolitionist with respect to those schools. Government schools have been around for 150 years or so. Third-party doctrine been around since early in the 20th century. It has been applied to things like telephone records and bank records and all this kind of stuff for you know for innocent people since the 70s. I'm an abolitionist with respect to the third-party doctrine. I'll explain what that means and, and why in just a little bit here. But one thing I wanted you to hear is I wanted you to hear Obama protecting. And defending himself, defending what they're doing under these court orders. So just listen to this little audio clip. Can you react to the report of uh, secret
0: government surveillance of phones and internet? And can you also assure Americans that the government, your government doesn't have some massive secret database of all their personal online information and activity?
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah. When I came uh, into this office, uh, I made two commitments that are more important than any commitment I make. Number one, to keep the American people safe, and number two, uh, to uphold the Constitution, and that includes uh, what I consider to be uh, a constitutional rights privacy uh, and an observance of civil liberties. Now, the programs that have been discussed over the last couple of days in the press uh, are secret in the sense that they're classified, but They're not secret in the sense that uh, when it comes to telephone calls, every member of Congress has been briefed on this program. Uh, With respect to all these programs, uh, the relevant intelligence committees are fully briefed on these programs. Uh, These are programs that have been authorized by broad bipartisan majorities repeatedly since 2006. And so I think at the outset it's important to understand that uh, your duly elected representatives have been consistently informed on exactly what we're doing. Now, let, let me take uh, the, the, the two issues separately. When it comes to telephone calls, nobody is listening to your telephone calls. That's not what this program's about. As was indicated, uh, what uh, the intelligence community is doing is looking at phone numbers and durations of calls. They are not looking at people's names, and they're not looking at content. But by sifting through this so-called metadata, they may identify potential leads with respect to folks who might engage in terrorism. If these folks, uh, if the intelligence community then actually wants to listen to a phone call, they've got to go back to a federal judge, just like they would in a criminal investigation.
1: So. I think that's enough of our dear leader, and I think we'll just shut him off right there. So let's let's take some of this piece by piece here. Now, first of all, the constitutionally protected right to privacy is a bunch of garbage, as far as I'm concerned. And why is that? Because it is governed by this horrible, reasonable expectation of privacy test. And that test goes back to Katz versus United States, again from the 1970s, and it says – you have to have an expectation of privacy. You actually expect your privacy within a certain realm. And I would say yes, with respect to my Verizon phone records. Uh, actually, I don't, I don't subscribe there, but whatever. I suppose I did. Um, you know, I expect privacy. But then the second part of it is, is your expectation reasonable? Reasonable according to whom? Reasonable according to society. It has to be an expectation that society is prepared to recognize as reasonable. Who decides whether society, whatever that is, is prepared to recognize your expectation as reasonable? A judge or anybody who gets to act in the stead of a judge, say, Napolitano, when they're trying to figure out whether you should be felt up by a TSA agent at the airport, right? Right. Uh, Supposedly, you don't have a reasonable expectation of privacy that would protect you from being felt up by a TSA agent at the airport, but whatever. So this test is garbage. It needs to go. We need to be protected in our privacy by our rights to liberty, property, and contract. I've argued that all over the place elsewhere. So that's one thing out there. Then when he talks about civil liberties, I don't know what in the hell they mean by that half the time anyway. But then he says that civil liberties have to be observed observed. Okay, so like you observe them and they ignore them? Because yeah, I can observe things and they, I don't know what he means. Okay, then let's go on to this issue of, you know, whether it's a secret program or a not secret program and that you're supposed to be reassured because your duly elected lawmakers have been informed. So he's trying to pass the buck and say, well, if your duly elected lawmakers haven't alerted you to this, even though they've been told they probably shouldn't, uh, by the higher-ups, I-, I don't know what, you're you're, you're supposed to feel good You elected these guys and they knew about it. So feel better, even though you didn't know about it. Bizarre. Um, Then, of course, the old appeal to authority, because he says that it has been approved by bipartisan majority since 2006. Well, how dare you argue with anything that has been approved by bipartisan majority since 2006, particularly since a bunch of the Republicans who are in these bipartisan majorities, whoever they are, are worthless. They don't deserve the name of anything that sounds like conservative. It's, I mean, just garbage through and through. And then he says he's going to talk about two issues. And he only really talks about one. He tries to tell you, look, your telephone calls aren't being listened to. And if they were going to be listened to, then they'd have to go back to the judge to get permission. Now, of course, what standard would they have to, uh, you know, would they have to have probable cause and particularized suspicion? He didn't say that. He just said you have to go back to a federal judge. And I think the answer is that no, there wouldn't have to be probable cause and particularized suspicion. But moreover... Thanks to a story published by the AtlanticWire dot com yesterday, June 6th, we have reason to believe that maybe there is listening in on our phone calls going on, even though our dear president tells us otherwise. So the story is headline phone sex banks and Google for emails. The NSA, NSA spying is bigger than Verizon. And the author is Elspeth Reeve. Again, published on June 6th over at TheAtlanticWire.com. And, uh, you know, they're talking about the, you know, this is basically routine type of searches. This is actually where I found the quote from Feinstein. Feinstein says that the court order that we saw, the Verizon court order, is a regular quarterly thing. Quote, there is nothing new in this program. The fact of the matter is that this was a routine three-month approval under seal that was leaked. End quote. That's what Feinstein said yesterday. Um, And then there was a NSA crypto mathematician, Bill Binney, who's quoted in this article, who believes that the agency stores... Uh, Also, in addition to this phone metadata stuff, copies of all emails transmitted in America in case the government wants to retrieve the details later. And he says he thinks the NSA wants all emails to be searchable the same way that we search with Google. Quote, the agency reportedly has the capacity to intercept and download every six hours electronic communications equivalent to the contents of the Library of Congress, end quote, from Mayor. Um, Anyway, I mean, this is just mind boggling. And then the justification, of course, is that this is going to protect us in terms of security. We'll address that in a second. Um, uh, This is a senior government official who says, quote, information of the sort described in the Guardian article has been a critical tool in protecting the nation from terrorist threats to the United States as it allows counterterrorism personnel to discover whether known or suspected terrorists have been in contact with other persons who may be engaged in terrorist activities, particularly people located inside the United States. And then the Atlantic Wire article here goes on to say, well, boy, doesn't that sound noble? And then it says, well, the NSA would never abuse its awesome surveillance power, right? And then it says, wrong. In 2008, NSA workers told ABC News that they routinely eavesdropped on phone sex. Yes, the most personal thing ever, phone sex. Between troops, people who we would like to actually honor and thank and not abuse. Between troops, between the troops serving overseas and their loved ones in America. The NSA people listened in on both satellite phone calls and calls from the phone banks in Iraq's green zone, where soldiers call home. Former Navy Arab linguist David Murphy Falk described how a coworker would say, hey, check this out, there's good phone sex, or there's some pillow talk, pull, pull up this call, it's really funny, go check it out. That's, uh, that's the end quote there from Falk. Falk explained that they would gossip about the best calls during breaks, Quote, it would be some colonel making pillow talk and we would say, wow, this was crazy, end quote. So, so much for this, you know, again, this, is, this goes back in the theme over and over again. This administration does not want their hands tied by a stupid law. They want it to be a government of men and not laws. And they want you to just trust them, you know, and and trust your duly elected lawmakers who were kept informed at every step of the way that your privacy was being invaded all over the place. So, I mean, you know, how how can you complain? So, you know, this idea that we're going to trust him because of him saying, you know, oh, well, we're not listening on your phone calls. We have to go back to a judge. For that. Now let's talk about this issue of the fact that this is supposedly helpful in protecting us against terrorism. And for that, I'm going to a statement issued today on Senator Mark Udall. I don't know if it's Udall or Udall. Uh, his website is UDALL and Ron Wyden. They both serve in the U.S. Senate, uh, Senate Select Committee on Intelligence. They issued a joint statement today in which they refute the claims that the phone record collection by the intelligence community has thwarted attacks against the United States. And they talk about, you know, in our capacity as members of this committee, we've spent years examining the intelligence collection operations under the Patriot Act. They say, based on this experience, we respectfully but firmly disagree with the way that this program has been described by senior administration officials. And then here's the the money stuff. They say, after years of review, we believe statements that this very broad Patriot Act collection has been, quote, a critical tool in protecting the nation, end quote, do not appear to hold up under close scrutiny. We remain unconvinced that the secret Patriot Act collection has actually provided any uniquely valuable intelligence. He says, as far as we can see all of the useful information that is provided appears to have also been available through other collection means that do not violate the privacy of law-abiding Americans. And they say, we hope that President Obama will probe the basis for the assertions, blah, blah, blah. You know he doesn't care. Then they say, we also disagree with the statement that the Broad Patriot Act collection strikes the, quote, right balance. Between protecting American security and protecting Americans' privacy, in our view, it does not. And then they go on and say, look, you know, uh, it, this is an impact on Americans' privacy, whether senior government officials recognize that fact or not. And then finally, they do not like the fact that this has been a secret law. I think we all know that if you're going to have a government of laws and not men, the laws need to be published so that we can actually know what laws we're being subjected to. And, of course, the laws need to be open to debate. And so I think that these senators, who apparently have been giving hints about the scope of the data collection for years, I think they're glad that it's out in the open so that they can make statements like this and say that they've been warning about it for, for so long. Um, Senator Rand Paul, for his part, had a an op-ed, published in the Guardian UK today, and he's discussing the Verizon program. The headline of his op-ed is NSA's Verizon Surveillance, How the White House Tramples Our Constitution. And he first of all shows Barack Obama to be a hypocrite because Barack Obama used to be an opponent of this broad type of surveillance under uh, you know, the FISA court, the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act and the court that it created. Uh, apparently, this is a statement from Barack Obama's office, quote, granting such immunity, um, you know, to the uh, actual, um, you know, data sharing with the government, et etc., uh, undermines the constitutional protections that Americans trust the Congress to protect, and it says senator obama supports a filibuster of this fisa bill that would allow this fisa court to uh, approve this uh the, you know this data collecting um and then if he of course goes on rand paul goes on to say that he's filibustered over civil liberties issues um and he would have joined obama in filibustering this uh but then he says when we've learned about this verizon collection uh you know that that basically this is under obama how can he uh, account for this um, uh Basically, uh, and he agrees with the Guardian's Glenn Greenwald, who says that a defining attribute of the Obama legacy is a transformation of what was until recently a symbol of right-wing radicalism, warrantless eavesdropping into meekly accepted bipartisan consensus, end quote. And then he goes on to talk about various acts that he has introduced. Rand Paul has recently tried to introduce acts into the Senate called the Fourth Amendment Preservation and Protection Act, another one's called the Fourth Amendment Restoration Act, in which these types of data would again come under the protection of the Fourth Amendment. So now you're asking, why in the world doesn't this data come under the protection of the Fourth Amendment? And this is due to something that I am writing about now. I need to get this article out there because it just keeps coming in thick and fast. It's a it's a something called the third party doctrine in privacy. What it says is when you, say you're a Verizon customer, you share data with Verizon in the course of doing business with Verizon. You share with Verizon the phone numbers that you're dialing, the text messages that you're sending so that Verizon can send it for you. You share probably cell phone tower location data with Verizon. You share all of this data with them. And what the third-party doctrine says is once you share that data with Verizon, you no longer have a reasonable expectation of privacy in that data. And so then when Verizon shares that data with the government, that sharing of data is not a search for purposes of the Fourth Amendment, the Fourth Amendment does not cover the sharing of data that you have shared with Verizon with the government. You share it with Verizon, Verizon shares it with the government, not a search. It doesn't come under the Fourth Amendment. So the only thing that protects you are these various statutes, Electronic Communication, Privacy Act, FISA, all this stuff. And the statutes do not require warrants based on probable cause, nor do they require particularized suspicion. And whatever requirements that it does have, again, the FISA court has so much power that it can issue these broad, huge uh, collections and approve these broad, huge collections in order Verizon to submit data pursuant to the broad, huge collections. This can happen all because of the third-party doctrine. Uh, the third-party doctrine arose in a context that we might think is very reasonable. It arose in the context of organized crime-type situations where the, you know, someone might be talking to a mafioso and he might get information from a mafioso, say a Tony Soprano, and then he might go ahead and share that information with the government. And then they would say, well, there's no expectation of privacy in the criminal information that Tony Soprano is sharing with the informant. And you say, okay, well, okay, that's that's okay. I, I really don't want Tony Soprano's criminal information to be protected. How do you deal with all this? Well, in in brief, because I believe that privacy should be protected by our rights to property and contract, I would say that our privacy should be protected by those contracts that we have with Verizon, with Facebook, with Apple, with Google. Implicit contract, explicit contract. Part of that contract is that they are keeping our data private. And those contracts should be protected absolutely unless there is the equivalent of a search warrant. There should not be this third-party doctrine that says no search warrant. Now, then the question is, well, then how do you handle the Tony Soprano cases? Isn't there a contract between Tony Soprano and the government informant, right? But what I would say is you go back to traditional contract law doctrine, which says that if you have an illegal contract, A contract for the purpose of achieving an illegal end, like something that Tony Soprano would make, those contracts are unenforceable. And that would include all the provisions of the contract, including any privacy provisions of their contract. Again, explicit, implicit, whatever. So that's briefly my answer about how you say we handle the original Tony Soprano type cases, and nonetheless, we protect our own personal data that we share with our Banks, our phone companies, our internet service providers, etc., and that that data should be protected absolutely, unless there is probable cause and particularized suspicion. In other words, a search warrant. I do hope that Rand Paul eventually gets the votes that he needs to get this protected. Of course, it's funny because it's a statute that is named after the Fourth Amendment. Um, why do you need a statute? to provide the protections that the Fourth Amendment should be providing, it's because this third-party doctrine needs to go. So that, in a nutshell, is what's going on. But then today, the whole thing just gets a whole lot worse because we have this PRISM program, which I'm going to talk about in a second after I take a breath and look here in the chat room and see what kind of reactions we've got going here. Um, Rue Begonia in the chat room is being super nice and sharing links to the various things that I've been talking about here. So the uh, senators questioning the value and efficacy of the phone records collection. Link is in there. The Rand Paul. uh, Oh, I guess it's also there on ABC News, which is good as well. Uh, Reason.com, she's got a different article there. uh, Why the NSA snooping supposedly complies with the Fourth Amendment. And it probably does talk about this issue of the third party doctrine. Um, now, Stephanie in the chat room talks about the mafiosi. She says the mafiosi got so powerful in part because of the stupid laws that prohibit drugs, prostitution, and gambling, et cetera. No that's true, and that would be another way of dealing with them. But I would say, look if uh, you know if if there is somebody engaging in some sort of weird racketeering or who knows what stuff that they're doing, uh, you can get them by saying, "Look, they have an illegal contract. illegal contracts are not enforceable." no provision of an illegal contract is enforceable including any agreement to keep things private um now, the other thing Stephanie says here is if we've got this piecemeal legislation, this is designed to make it impossible to fight the intrusions. And Stephanie, yes, that's true. You know, And you also have one statute saying one thing, another statute saying another. You have different judges disagreeing about how to interpret the statute. So for right now, the Sixth Circuit does say that you should have to have probable cause, particularized suspicion to get into emails. But no other circuit in the country does. And this is the type of thing that Rand Paul is trying to introduce there. Um, Now, Joe in the chat room says that if Rand Paul was briefed on this program before, why is he only now introducing this bill? It could be the continuation of the program under Obama. I think he's been doing stuff like this for a long time, though. I've heard Rand Paul complain about the Patriot Act. And I know at the time when they were talking about renewing the Patriot Act, that was maybe back in the 2012 renewal, that he was truly Excellent on that issue. So um, uh, I think he's been doing this for a long time. He's probably been introducing bills and having them slammed down for a long time. I think he's only getting more attention for his being outspoken on this issue now.
3: Okay, so it's Man of Steel time?
1: Is it Man of Steel time? Oh, sorry. I actually, uh, the Man of Steel, does he have privacy no matter what the government wants? Right. Oh, that's awesome.
3: Bosh, I just came in.
1: Sorry. Yeah, this is this is Cartoonist Bosch Boston joining me here in the studio. Sorry. While I'm in my rant about these privacy issues here, uh let's go into the latest horror, which is the story published, and now this says Thursday, June 6th, but it didn't make our headlines until today. Prism it says NSA PRISM program taps into user data of Apple, Google, and others. So the Atlantic Wire article was right to speculate that the data collection went far beyond simply Verizon customers and their metadata, their phone metadata. Uh, The subhead here says top-secret prison program claims direct access to servers of firms, including Google, Apple, and Facebook. Companies deny any knowledge. Again, there's a top-secret document. It it appears to be some sort of a PowerPoint. Government loves its PowerPoint as a way to brief employees on particular things that they need to know about. I worked for the Air Force Academy for three years, and I really loved the discussion of the PowerPoints there. Sometimes we would joke and we'd say, well, and there are the pretty – blue graph lines and the red graph lines, and then you just go on to the next slide. Um, But here I would say the content of the slides is very, very super important because it talks about what companies are involved, when they got involved, what is actually involved here. Uh, It says the NSA, uh, the access that they have to these servers, it's part of a previously undisclosed program called PRISM, which allows officials to collect material including search history, Your Google search history, the content of emails, not just the so-called metadata, not the sender, the receiver, the length of the email, when it was sent, when it was received or opened. Those kind of things might be metadata, you know, what IP addresses were used to send and receive. All that's very intrusive as well. But this is also the content of the emails. Uh, They're also talking about file transfers and live chats. The Guardian, the the story says, has verified the authenticity of the document, a 41-slide PowerPoint presentation, classified as top secret, with no distribution to foreign allies, which was apparently used to train intelligence operatives on the capabilities of the program. The document claims, quote, collection directly from the servers, end quote, of major U.S. service providers. Now, Google, for its part, has issued the following statement, quote, Google cares deeply about the security of our users' data. We disclose user data to government in accordance with the law. That's worth absolutely nothing, by the way, in accordance with the law. I mean, it's the same thing. If you go to a doctor's office and they give you the little thing, you know, here's our privacy practices and, you know, sign right here that you received them. It is worthless, worthless, worthless. Basically, you have privacy only when government decides that your expectation is reasonable. Government, the benevolent government acting on behalf of society. That's the way it works right now. I think it was the 60th anniversary of the publication of 1984 or something yesterday, the day before. It's this week. And it's just, I mean, it is too ironic that this stuff is coming out right now. But anyway, let me continue Google's nonsense statement. We disclosed you know, user data to government in accordance with the law. It says, we review all such requests carefully. From time to time, people allege that we have created a government backdoor into our systems, but Google does not have a backdoor for the government to access private user data, end quote. No, it's probably got a front door. That's what I'm thinking. I mean, who needs a backdoor when you probably got a front door by court order? That's probably what's going on. Several senior tech executives insisted they had no knowledge of Prism or of any similar scheme. They said that they would uh, they would never be involved in such a program. Quote: If they are doing this, they are doing it without our knowledge. End quote. One said. Apple spokesman said, Quote: It never heard of Prism. End quote. But UK says Guardian UK says we have this program. It's got broad capabilities. You know that uh, that all of this data, you know, this has been verified as an actual document says the NSA access was enabled by changes to U.S. surveillance law introduced, wait for this, under President Bush, our dear President Bush, who we're supposed to have missed, and renewed under Obama in December 2012. So this is where, when Rand Paul points out that Obama used to be a staunch critic of this kind of stuff, what a total disgusting hypocrite he is, you know? and And – Obama has released you know that not only that statement about you know your your phone your phone calls not being listened to mm-hmm. and, and uh, if you watch the video I don't know if you watch the video I watched the video of him saying this when he is saying those words oh your phone calls are not being listened to he has such contempt on yes. his face pretty such pretty. contempt on his face you have to go watch the video for yourself I can't play it for you here I, I can only play that audio it is truly disgusting you know, oh, and, you know, and, and you're only supposed to care if the content of your phone call is listened to. You're not supposed to care about all the rest of this stuff. You know, you're supposed to be immune. You just share and share and share out there. I mean, what, what do you care if the government's listening in on all of it anyway? What's the big deal? Um, the program, it says, facilitates extensive in-depth surveillance on live communications and stored information. The law allows for the targeting of any customers of participating firms who live outside the U.S. or those Americans whose communications include people outside the U.S. Well, gee, how many of us on Facebook have friends who live outside the United States? How many have people outside the United States who visit their blogs, people outside the United States with whom they exchange emails? I think a lot of us do. And then it says, here, it also opens the possibility of communications made entirely within the United States being collected without warrants. Again, no probable cause, no particularized suspicion. The government doesn't have any reason to think that you in particular are guilty. And, of course, the story follows on the uh, the story from Verizon. So let's, let's have a timeline here. I thought the timeline also was fascinating. It says, some of the world's largest Internet brands are claimed to be part of the information sharing program since its introduction in 2007. So this idea that this is a slide projection, you know, a PowerPoint slide presentation about some future program that the government hopes to instill someday, it's totally belied by the timeline included in the PowerPoint presentation. It says, Microsoft. Microsoft, which is currently running an advertising campaign with the slogan, Your Privacy is Our Priority, was the first with collection beginning December 2007. I am not surprised, given Bill Gates' altruist, disgusting oh, yeah. yuck that he is, that he would be one of the first to oh, jump yes. in and decide that the quote, balance. Yep. That Obama is trying to strike between our security and our privacy. You know that they just just trust them to strike the appropriate balance, right? Um, you know that that, that 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 Gates would be the first one to agree with it. Yeah, Bosch, go ahead and Sorry, try. Uh,
3: the, uh, John, I, I need to breathe. Yeah, uh, what's it called? Joe Joe Andrews asks here um, if Rand Paul was briefed on this program before. Why is he only now introducing that this bill? Well, there was a Democrat. It was on Hot who basically suggested Obama's lying. That a lot of them weren't weren't briefed. So I don't know. I don't know what the I don't know what what the truth is. Or I mean a lot of them are liars. Obama's lying through his teeth every time he every time he speaks, so who knows?
1: You know what could be the case is that only the senators, uh Udall and, and Wyden, is that the other senators I'm, not sure. I'm sorry, I'm losing my brain here. Because Obama um, always pretends yeah, that
3: you know, when he says he always speaks collectively. They all know, you know, he, yeah. he, he speaks to a few possibly. And to say that he told everyone.
1: Well, and and you can use vague pronoun references too, and then later correct yourself and all that. I mean, that's why I always like to parse him. I parse Carney, everybody. But perhaps... Only the people in the special committees having to do with intelligence matters were and that, briefed. And that and, he and, knows would know, we'll be fine with it. Yeah. Well, or not fine with it, but nonetheless, as members of the committee, if they're not majority members and they go ahead and the committee ends up rubber stamping because it's a you know majority Democrat committee, then you've got these other senators who are saying, hey – all we can do is say these very cryptic things about how the American public would be scandalized <laughs> if they knew the broad scope, right, right. And, the, and that's the kind of statements that these guys have made before perspectives today. From the before truth, today. Yeah, exactly. Well. But they're not, they were prohibited from saying anything, so they would speak in very vague terms until the Guardian UK releases the Verizon story. Then they can specifically comment because it's already out there. It's unbelievable. Yeah. But, um, but let's let's get more of this timeline. So Verizon, I mean, excuse me, um, Microsoft, Microsoft, Bill Gates, our buddy, the generous altruist, 2007, then Yahoo in 2008, Google, Facebook, And PalTalk in 2009, and I'd be interested to compare the the timing there with the Facebook consent order, but then again, who knows what Zuckerberg thinks about the balance of privacy with security. And, of course, it is after Obama's election as well, so we'll note there. YouTube in 2010, Skype and AOL in 2011, and finally Apple, which joined the program in – 2012. Yes, after Steve Jobs was dead. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking if Steve Jobs was at Apple. Yeah.
3: He seemed very skeptical of the government.
2: He
1: did. He I, he, I think he was very skeptical, and I, I don't think he would have stood for it, at least based on what I read. And what I read in the biography was that Steve Jobs took very seriously the trust yeah. that people uh, put An in Apple. him, put yeah. in, in him, put in Apple to protect their private user data. That was very, very, very important to him. That mm-hmm. was emphasized in the biography. I tend to believe it based on other things that I know about Steve Jobs.
3: And the new CEO, Tim Cook, was at the uh, Obama's, um, was the State of the Union. I think he was at the yeah. inauguration as well. So he's he's a leftist, a naked leftist. So
1: Yeah. So Apple, Apple's down the tubes in my book if they... Do this after Steve Jobs. I mean, this almost means more than you know, making some blip in terms of product quality and things like that, which you would expect maybe after Steve Jobs is gone. I think it's just hard to to be him. But this idea that they also give up the the you know the importance of privacy for their customers. Joe is,
3: Joe, Joe Andrews brings up. Uh, I've, I've heard Wozniak say Jobs was a big fan of Atlas. Atlas though nothing about that was in a book. And uh, other people have been fans of Ayn Rand, who are leftists. You know, yeah.
1: Not only actors. did not Joe, not only did uh, Jobs or the biographer not say anything yeah. about Ayn Rand or Atlas in the biography, but when I've tried to contact the biographer and ask him any question, I haven't been able to get a response, and I haven't gotten a response from Wozniak either. I would love to know mm-hmm. more specifics about that, but he spoke about it in very generalized terms. Anyway, all of those companies gave you that huge list. So is there anybody, for instance, in the chat room here? I love this. Tim Pack in the chat room says, think different, my ass. Yes. Yeah. Now, yes. I mean, they did. They thought differently under Yes. Steve Jobs.
3: Yes. He was the motor. He was it.
1: Under cook, No. Uh, under cook, the, they're cooked.
3: Yeah, they might be cooked.
1: <sighs> Actually, you know what? It would be great. I, I want to see a cartoon. It could just be cooked. <laughs> C O O K E D, and the two O's are apples. Yes,
3: that's Can pretty you do good. That? That's pretty good. Okay, like
1: that's my cartoon idea right there. Yep. I think we should just do that. That cool. they are now cooked because they have participated in this program.
3: And Robert N Y C brings up the fact that Al Gore is part of the board on Apple, which is disgusting. But he's he's been on board for a number of years now. He wasn't able to you know destroy it yet.
1: So disgusting. Yeah, they invited him long ago. Yeah. So if you go to the Guardian U K and you look at the Article, you can see the slide in which they talk about the exact dates in which the various companies came on board as part of the so-called Prism program. And I don't know what Prism stands for. It, um, it's,
2: acronym- it's
1: an acronym for some garbage that I haven't seen here in the article. But the the, the government loves it's oh, acronyms yeah. oh, they yeah. love it and that was one thing that i had to get used to yeah, yeah they hide. well it's not just high the name it's like it's like some sort of lingo it's it's an appeal to authority of a certain kind yeah. you know um i'm trying to remember the the technical name for it and it'll come to me later so i'm not going to trouble myself now but um you know it, it you use this highfalutin language yeah. and uh you know therefore hey this is great we have another idea to make the uh the the cartoon that I just suggested even better, Stephanie in the chat room says, put headphones on the two apples to show that people are listening and like on stuff. I, I do. I definitely I like I, I definitely like it. I definitely like it. Because after all, there's FaceTime and all that stuff, oh, too. Sorry,
3: earbuds, not not headphones. Oh, that's yeah. true. Put
1: the earbuds. Those, right, not the headphones. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, we have to get really. But actually, you can't see earbuds very yeah, well, Bosh. I'll make it happen. You can make like big ears with little earbuds. Big ears. I I don't know. It's got to be a very cool cartoon. I I think this is going to be fun for you to do that. But in any event, uh, let's talk about the type of data collected from all these companies. It says a chart prepared by the NSA contained within the top secret document obtained by The Guardian underscores the breadth of the data that it is able to obtain. Email, your email, video and voice chat. Videos, photos, voice over IP, which is Skype, for example, chats, file transfers, social networking details, and more. So much for your privacy settings all over the place. Government is on it. The document is recent, says the Guardian, dating to April 2013. it says, such a leak is extremely rare in the history of the NSA, which prides itself on maintaining a high level of secrecy. So what is everyone going to do? I mean, you know, anybody in the chat room not a customer of all of these taken collectively together? And what do you do? You go back and you delete all of your emails on the servers of these companies. Uh, You're not able to actually go in there and delete maybe their backup servers, it's done. Everything that's in there that was under subject to this collection, it's cooked. It's gone. It's truly, truly horrifying and disgusting. And again, third-party doctrine. None of this is governed by the Fourth Amendment. Because you shared this information willingly with a third party. Right. So when the third party, these companies, share it with the government, not a search, only statutes and the secret court's interpretation of the statutes. Hmm. That's what matters in these cases. Robert NYC in the chat room. He, you're, you're kind of a cynic, Robert. It's true. But it, I mean, I've seen so many people say exactly what you're saying. He says, My assumption from now. Is that everything I do and say is recorded? So what? Yeah, and I mean I I talk out to these people, you know, Obama government bureaucrats listening to my thing right now, blah 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 blah. Get a life. Get a life is what I tell these people if they want to hear my stuff. It's like they they need to have their own lives.
3: But it's about private conversations. All sounds Oh,
1: I know, I know. It is. It it's truly insanely horrifying. Yeah, I want to uh, just breathe a little bit. Now, what I do want to do just quickly now, when we've got a few minutes left, is uh, before expose I leave. something. Oh, what are you, you going to say, Before I
3: leave, uh, check out, you know, I can't wait to watch Man of Steel. I'm probably going to watch it before the next show. And uh, that's all. I mean, whoever else is watching would love to discuss maybe next episode or two weeks from now, whatever, whatever it is. Yeah,
1: yeah I mean, it's, it's hard for everybody to see it during yeah. the day on Friday when it's yeah. released or Thursday well, at midnight. But... I'm watching
3: at midnight. I mean, it's the first midnight show i, I, I I'll be watching in a long time. I don't know. I don't know the last time I watched the Maybe watch we'll have show. to have
1: like a special spoiler-filled show yes. that people will be warned. Don't Spoiler listen filled. to this exactly. show. Unless I'm I'm really going to be interested to see if the vision of heroism that yeah. is coming across in the trailers yeah. comes through also Me too. in the movie itself. I mean, you know,
3: Nolan is behind. Uh, he co-wrote the story. He is producing it, so it might, it might happen.
1: Rue Begonia in the chat room says, I use Verizon. Received an email from them today with the subject line, we have an exclusive calling plan for you. Yay! Okay. Well, let's let's in the last couple minutes here. I just want to uh, expose Nancy Pelosi lying about Obamacare. So let's listen to Nancy Pelosi blather on about Obamacare for a minute, and then we'll show how it contradicts what she said in 2012. Here we go.
2: They're talking about health care premiums and the fact that the premiums are going up horrendously.
1: Huge, huge percentages, regardless of what they said. Let's see what Nancy Pelosi does to try to defend herself.
2: would actually see their health premiums by amount in some cases. What would you say to those people who are going to see their premiums go up?
1: Well, some people
0: don't have health insurance, and they certainly will have their premiums go up because they don't have any health insurance now, so they don't have any premiums now. Uh, but any for anyone that, that that's a, change, a lie. I would say that's are, irrelevant. Uh, subsidies uh, in the uh, uh, the exchanges, and it, it's also about what you get for the money. In other words, people will be getting no lifetime or annual limits on their coverage, no discrimination because of a preexisting medical condition. You know, it, it has a whole array of quality uh, that is in the legislation. But if you don't have health insurance and you don't qualify for a subsidy and you're mandated to have health insurance, yes, you'll have an increase. Uh, we're very sensitive to what it means for young people, especially young singles, and um, uh, there are policies that people can get. Uh, I don't remember saying that every everybody in the country would have a lower premium because everybody in the country
1: – Yeah, okay, I've had enough for – okay um... – Listen to her sidetrack, first of all. Uh, if people talk about premiums going up, they talk about people already paying premiums and those premiums are going up. So her idea, well, well yeah, if they don't buy health care now, then their premiums are going up. That is not what they're talking about in these articles when they're discussing premiums going up. That is ridiculous. Next sidetrack is, oh, you can get subsidies through the exchanges Basically, they want to force you into socialized medicine, into their little exchanges. Oh, that's exciting, too. Uh, and then what's the third thing? This is the new dodge that they have right now. This thing, well, maybe you're paying more, but you get so much more value for your money. You get more value for your money. Why? We've taken away lifetime limits, this, blah, 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 blah. Now, they knew that they were going to take all this stuff away the lifetime limits, the pre existing condition bans, blah, 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 you know, all the different stuff, right? um they knew that they were going to do this that they were going to make the insurers by force cover more for less money right but then how could they at the same time excuse me at the same time promise that they were going to give lower premiums and that is exactly what she did notice though, in that stupid answer to this guy right you know first of all she does all that sidetracking and then she says i don't remember saying that the premiums were going to go down well so let, let's just go ahead and refresh our memories here
0: they'll bring it up And when they bring it up, they will ask for repeal, repeal of all the things I said that help children, help young adults, help seniors, help men or women who may have prostate cancer, breast cancer, whatever it is, any precondition. And everybody will have lower rates, better quality care, and better access.
1: Everybody will have lower rates, better quality care, and better access. Okay, first of all, how can you promise more for less anyway? Nobody in their right mind is going to promise more for less. You know, but then she goes on and on how you know, she's trying to say that this is going to reduce the cost of health care overall. And I watched other parts of that statement. It's just a bunch of baloney garbage. I just want to show you they're lying all over the place. Their current lie is that you are going to get better quality that you're getting more for your money because, of course, they know that they've been caught in the lie that you were going to have lower premiums. So, you know, Nancy Pelosi, we have to pass it to find out what's in it. Just go away and just go get more plastic surgery because I don't want to hear from you. Uh, She looks like she had some more done recently if you look at her on that recent clip as well. I do want to try to end on some good news. I would like to end a little bit on some good news. And some of you may have seen out there, the New York Times editorial board has weighed in on some of this broad surveillance activity of the government under Obama. And in fact, I I mean, it's really kind of uh, interesting to say that, that they say Obama has lost all Credibility now. And the headline is, and it's published June 6th, New York Times, by the editorial board of the New York Times. It's entitled President Obama's Dragnet. And it says Within hours of the disclosure that the federal authorities routinely collect data on phone calls Americans make, regardless of whether they have any bearing on a counterterrorism investigation. Again, no particularized suspicion. The Obama administration issued the same platitude it has offered every time President Obama has been caught overreaching in the use of his powers. Terrorists are a real menace, and you should just trust us to deal with them because we have internal mechanisms that we are not going to tell you about to make sure we do not violate your rights. End quote. I'm quoting right now from the editorial board of the New York Times criticizing Obama in very strong language. Skip down two paragraphs and it says, the administration has now lost all credibility. Now it said period in the original draft and then I heard through other news sources that later they added the last three words of this sentence on this issue. So now they say the administration has now lost all credibility on this issue. Just a question for the New York Times editorial board. If Obama if Obama's lying to your face on this issue, why doesn't he lose all credibility, period? Why, how can you trust him on any other issue? Just saying. Anyway, go read that, President Obama's dra- Dragnet. I think it's good news that the New York Times is criticizing Obama in really strong terms. Uh, another piece of good news, if it's true, USA Today is uh, publishing an analysis piece that says, Obama's agenda scorched in firestorm. And it's basically saying that Obama's going to have a hard time getting his agenda across if he has to keep answering questions about all of his surveillance practices. So I think that's a good way to... End our show for today. I can't believe I'm actually just about out of time. Please tune in to Tammy Bruce's show on Monday from 10 a.m. to 12 noon Pacific time. Second hour, I'll be interviewing Leonard Peikoff, and I think it's something that you're really going to want to listen to. If you aren't able to listen live, like I said, go to my page at don'tletitgo.com, my blog, and you can make a small contribution to support my podcast and the work that I do. And in exchange, you will get links to the recordings of all of my guest host appearances, the old ones and the new ones, on the Tammy Bruce Show. Thank you for everyone who's done it so far. If you can't afford to donate, best thing you can, can do to help my show is spread the word. Thanks, everyone. Have a good night, and I'll talk to you Monday.